You're listening to the Detox and Chill podcast with Megan Dillon and Beck Benyon. We're two millennial women in the corporate world juggling wellness and a fast-paced lifestyle. On this podcast, we're breaking down wellness into digestible episodes that fit into your weekly routine. We're on this journey with you, learning from wellness and lifestyle experts in their fields. From our lighthearted banter, what's the appropriate amount of time to go between shaving our legs? To getting deep about everyday struggles like hormones, societal norms, and gut health, we're your podcast besties. Disclaimer, no late night text needed to detox and chill. Hi guys. Hey. Welcome back to the pod. On a month. <clears throat> Day. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we are so beefed up about this week's episode. It's so good. It's so good. We had the absolute pleasure of talking to Katie Horwich. Um, and for those of you who may not be familiar with her podcast, it's called The Want Cast, which stands for Women Against Negative Talk. Um, so I personally, <clears throat> I'm having trouble with my voice. Bear with me. <laughs> So I personally started listening to this podcast, I would say two years ago at this point, because that's what kind of sparked my interest in podcasts. Um, And Katie is not that much older than us, but I totally look up to her as a role model. And when we started our podcast, we put her on the list of goal guests Mm -hmm. to get on. Um, and here she is. Here she is. And she just drops so many nuggets of knowledge on us. Um, and we couldn't have asked for a better um, guest to have on right now, especially with everything that's happening in the world. I think it's really important to have positivity in our lives and have that positive self-talk. Um, so we hope that you get as much out of this as we did. Um, we're going to be taking notes as we listen to it over and over again. Um, and thank you to Katie for just taking the time out to talk to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she drops a little surprise Ooh, close yes. to the end of the episode, which mm-hmm. I'm so excited about. You guys will be super excited. Mm-hmm. So definitely stay tuned until the end. Um, but yeah, just go check out her podcast. Um, I have a feeling that she's going to be coming to many more events near you. Mm-hmm. She's such an incredible speaker, just so wise for mm-hmm. 32. Yeah. And she has, I mean, she has definitely gone through her fair share of struggles and we talk about that on the podcast as well. So it's very relatable and, you know, we're all about supporting women, supporting women, Um, and we just want to get that positivity out there. Um, if you have any questions for us or if you have any comments, feel free to let us know, send us a DM, join the secret Facebook group. We'd love to talk more about this episode and kind of get a discussion going around it, um, so that we can get your opinions as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We just love to hear from you guys in whatever form that is. So just find us, um, and we'd love to hear from you. Mm -hmm. So yeah, let us know what your favorite part of this episode was and enjoy bye bye guys today's episode is brought to you by silver fern 
one of our favorite brands. We had Charity Light and their chief nutritionist on a few weeks ago, um, and we're so excited that they're sponsoring us. I have been using the protein powder for a while now and have been loving it. It's completely plant-based and also have has probiotics in it, which is so nice. It's kind of unheard of. Yeah, very efficient. I, As I've said before, I love efficiencies. Um, so I've been using that and the Tino, which is their fiber powder. Um, and that has made a world of difference. So adding that flavorless powder to my drinks, smoothies, even water, um, is a game changer and also very efficient. So love getting that in. So efficient. Um, and I also recently just got the protein powder. I'd heard you talk about it so much and Charity loved it. So it is just as good as you guys said. I'm kind of transitioning into trying to do a morning smoothie. So I'd been stuck in a breakfast rut for a really long time. Um, and this just makes them delicious. Mm-hmm. It is so good. It's so creamy mm-hmm. and it truly tastes like chocolate. It's so good. It's like a treat for breakfast. Um, And I personally have struggled with a lot of gut health issues. So I absolutely love Silver Fern's probiotic. Um, And I think what makes it so different is that you don't need to refrigerate it, Mm -hmm. which Charity kind of enlightened us that... um, you know, with some other brands, how would you expect a probiotic that needs to be refrigerated to get where it needs to go in your stomach, which mm-hmm. is obviously above a Not refrigerator <laughs> temperature? Um, so we love it. They were so gracious to give us a discount code for you guys as well, which is Detox15, D-E-T-O-X-15, which will get you 15% off of whatever you order. Um And word on the street is that there might be a new flavor of protein Mm, coming soon. Yes, so exciting. So you can find Silver Fern at www.silverfernbrand.com. So that's S-I-L-V-E-R-F-E-R-N-B-R-A-N-D.com. So please go check them out. I've been using the coupon code for myself. Yeah. So go check it out. Let us know what you think. Um, And we're so excited for you to try it. Thanks, Silver Fern. Yeah, thank you, Silver Fern. Hi guys, welcome back. So this week we have the lovely Katie Horwich with us. Um, and if you haven't listened to her podcast, The Want Cast, I really feel like Katie, whenever I started to get more interested in podcasts, yours honestly was the first one that resonated with me. Um, it was kind of a time where I was going through completely getting over my eating disorder. I think there were some years that were kind of a gray area for me. Um, So your podcast just really helped me get through that. And I just love Mm. the guests you bring on and I love your solo episodes. So oh my gosh, fangirling over here. But I just you're you're making me so happy right now. (laughs) Thank you. That means so much. Yeah, absolutely. So what I would love to do is just start with you giving our listeners just your background and your story wherever you feel comfortable starting off. My journey. So I founded a, I'm a writer, I'm a speaker, uh, I'm a, I'm a self talk shifter. I've started calling myself and I founded a platform called want, which stands for women against negative talk. And what want does is gives women tools, insight, inspiration to shift their negative self talk patterns so that they can be the person they know that they've meant to be. So they can, as I say, move forward fearlessly 
in their own life, much like you, the place you were in when you first started listening to the want cast where you were doing the recovery work you were doing, you know, you don't have to experience an eating disorder to feel uncomfortable in your own skin, in your own personality, in this, this body and existence that you're in. Cause we have so many things and people and messages telling us that who we are isn't enough and who we are should be something different. You don't need to experience an eating disorder to go through all of that. But I do feel like people who have experienced eating disorders or addiction or types of, um, types of trauma, they do feel that even, even deeper and even more so. So want for me was seeing one of two things happening. A, there was a blossoming self-help industry that was fantastic, but was focusing on affirmations and mantras. And for me, I was like, well, that's great to say I'm beautiful. I am smart. I am worthy. But what happens on those days where I don't feel beautiful and smart and worthy? That mm-hmm. feels like a Band-Aid putting, put, that you're putting over the symptom instead of addressing the cause. Um, and then I also saw a lot of, you know, I grew up, I was in, in fifth or sixth grade when America Online came out. Mm-hmm. So I do remember a time before social media but I'm part of this weird generation where we also saw the growth of social media and the growth of the internet and the personalization of the internet. So I was a part of like the live journal era, which was the predecessor to the Instagram right. era, where people will share in sort of like a diary journal-esque form. And I found coming out of my own eating disorder, when I would go to these live journal pages or these um, message boards at the time, it wasn't really even about blogs yet. I saw a lot of people who were bonding over their, bonding over their negativity, bonding over their own self victimization, and were bonding over the hardships in their life. And they were confusing that with actually moving forward. Mm-hmm. So the combination of that and seeing this blossoming industry filled with affirmations and mantras made me feel there needs to be something more. There needs to be something that gives people, specifically women, because yes, men deal with self-talk issues as well, but it's so prevalent in our society that we almost like we get the messages that we kind of should be talking to ourselves in a negative way. Yep. Um I was like, there needs to be a place that actually helps women move forward into that next step of who they want to be, not so that they can be the most positive person in the world, not so that everything is rainbows and butterflies, but that they can see self-talk for what it is, which I feel like it's not good or bad. It's just information. And then use that information to make the next right step and the next right step and the next right step in the life that they really want to build for themselves. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I love everything that you said. I think there is or there has been um, an issue of people kind of misconstruing how to talk about issues that are going on in their lives. I think a lot of people, like you said, bond over kind of like that self-pity aspect of it, which mm-hmm. I think we all go through that. And I think it's a phase of, you know, becoming confident and becoming positive and, you know, loving yourself. But it's it's moving past that and, and not getting stuck there. Um, so I would love to hear your view on um, social media and how that has affected self-talk and self-confidence and, you know, body positivity. Oh, that's such a good question. That's such a <laughs> meaty or like if you're vegan, fake meaty question. <laughs> um, oh, my gosh. So how self-talk has has affected or how social media has affected Mm self-talk and, um, and all of, and that whole internal conversation. Well, I think that there's a lot of different factors at play. I think that a lot of times people will talk about the comparison trap of social media where we're seeing what we're all doing. Um, and we are seeing little segments of people's lives. Sometimes people call it a highlight reel And we can think, oh, this person's life is so great. My life doesn't look anything like that. Uh, My that that person's home is completely clean and manicured and it looks like it should be on apartmenttherapy.com. And Mm -hmm. mine is just it has laundry all over it right now. Like this person looks beautiful in this bikini and I am feeling like I don't even want to go on this vacation where I'm going to be in the sun and on the beach. Like this, this conversation happens just looking at people's pictures and going to that comparison place. I actually don't think that it's a bad thing that Instagram is a quote unquote highlight reel. People ask me a lot about social media and my personal relationship with it because I, I don't have a horrible relationship with social media. And I think that that's partially because I've done so much work beyond, besides social media, before Instagram in particular, in being solid in who I am, what I'm putting forth, and what my intention is behind everything that I'm doing. So when I, I'm just going to use Instagram because it's the one that most of us have. And for me personally, it's the one where I, the place where I spend my time the most. Um, but Instagram, I view it as a, an online scrapbook of sorts slash press kit slash, um, art project. So nothing that I personally put on there is fake or contrived, but they're almost little mementos for me of this time in my life and the way that I use social media because my, you know, my, my, my brand is who I am as a person to a large extent. I take the parts that go along with that brand and I show those on social media and the parts that aren't necessarily, I'm using air quotes on brand. I look at that and I'm like, well, if I'm not if I'm not sharing this and I'm not posting about this, is it because A, I'm ashamed of it? Um, B, it's something that 
I, I'm still working through or C, it like doesn't really matter to me. Or is it something that wouldn't do anybody any good? So social media is also part of my service. I think that social media and service can and should honestly at this point in time be intertwined. And I'm not saying like make that your venting ground, make that your place where you're standing on maybe your political soapbox all of the time. But I think that if you have values and you believe in something and you see the way that you want the world to be and and you have words to put to that, then it's almost a disservice to not share that because if you don't, then you're just another person who doesn't have words to speak to what you feel, what you're going through. And sometimes using social media to express your thoughts, your beliefs, and that's very different from venting and pushing away. So this is all proactive posting. If you have the words to be able to do that, then I think that there's power in that because something someone somewhere will read that and be like, yes, that's exactly what I've been thinking, but I haven't had the words to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually think that it can be really, really powerful. I think that when we get into a trap with social media is when we're not intentional about what we post and we don't have a clear delineation, whether that's an actual tangible, like, mission statement or just a feeling between what is personal and what is intimate. And I think that when we share what is intimate before we're either ready to share what is intimate, um, because when you share that, then it, it becomes public fodder. Um, Mm -hmm. so there are definitely things that I don't, I don't share about my life. Like I'll share about my, my husband a little, and I'll share about our marriage, but I'm not going to go into the nitty gritty details because that's something that's just ours. And that's something that I want to keep as just ours. Um, and I think that when we get into this trap of posting to sort of keep up with social media Joneses, or we aren't clear what is personal, what is intimate, and that's different for everybody. When we post before we're, we're ready to share our words that's when those voices come in protecting us basically from the hurt that we feel we might receive from other people. Mm -hmm. Because if we say those negative things about ourselves first, then it doesn't hurt as much when other people say it. So if we post uh, a picture that is out of the ordinary for us, it's like, let's say it's a I don't know. It's a selfie in a pose. I'm in the fitness industry, so I see a lot of this, Uh, like a a selfie in a pose with minimal clothing because you see that other people are getting lots of lots of likes and lots of comments about their posts of them full body, whatever, minimal clothing. You might not be that might not be in line with with who you are and and how you are in real life. So you're going to start saying those things to yourself, and especially if you don't get the outcome that you think that you want from that post. Um, I don't know if this is all making sense, is it? It I'm kind of rambling here. Okay. No. Yeah. Love it. 
yeah, I think that I think that the social media conversation right now is becoming more of a blame game, blaming the way that we treat ourselves and the way that we treat other people, blaming it on social media. But I don't think that social media is the cause. Yeah, I love that. I think um, to me, what you said about social media being a highlight reel and that being okay, I totally agree because I think when I go to my Instagram feed, I personally am looking for, I think, positivity and I'm not really looking for negativity, obviously. So mm-hmm. I, I love that um, sentiment and I loved your post recently where you were saying we just need to laugh more and celebrate the small victories and kind of just like loosen up because to your point I think a lot of times it becomes fitting into a layout on this you know grid and it's to me we're just all so much more than that obviously um Mm -hmm. so that really resonated with me and then one other thing that came to mind when you were talking is when you were kind of saying how you you can kind of know when it's time to share. And I think one thing that hit home for me was your recovery myth series. Mm, um, mm-hmm. And I'm really curious when, if there was like a tipping point for you. Like, was there a point where you were like, okay, I am now ready to share. And I think, you know, that's obviously hmm. in relation to eating disorders, but I think anything that people hold close to themselves, I think everyone kind of has that struggle of when you know. So I'm just curious with the recovery mm-hmm. myth in particular. Yeah. Thank you so much. I actually am, am planning on bringing that back next year for the podcast. I'm going to have more episodes in the season. And that was something that was really popular and really hit a chord for a lot of people the first time around. So, Mm -hmm. and it hits a chord for me. And it was like, it came from, I wish that I had had this sort of conversation to look to when I was going through my eating disorder, which uh, I experienced in college, a little after college. And it was a very, a very varied recovery. There were lots mm-hmm. of there were lots of ups and downs. I had orthorexia and then after college, you know, I like I flirted with anorexia. I flirted with um with exercise bulimia, uh, but orthorexia was really like the thing that I unfortunately always came back to. Um and so that project was really like let's get these conversations out there. As far as my own recovery and just like talking about hard things that are uh, a require personal work and growth and B are usually riddled with shame. I think that I, I, so I never wanted to be the eating disorder girl. Mm -hmm. I, that was always very clear. I knew that when I, I, I'm very used to being, on a stage and in public. I was an actress for a really long time. And then after that, I I wrote a lot. I was a, an editor for an online magazine where I was basically the one who was writing the really introspective like mind-body content. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I knew that as I was building my career and even with fitness, I, I, I didn't want to be known as 
that's Katie who used to have the eating disorder because that is a part of my story, but that is a blip in time of my story. That part of my story had a lot of aha moments, but I also knew that the more that I talked about it, the more I'd have people who had been in my position or, I mean, honestly, I was one of the lucky ones. I can't credit it to any sort of personal work or development or growth or awareness. I think that there are some people who have varying levels of eating disorder and addiction and addictive tendencies hardwired in them. And I, I had that, but I've seen people who have gone to, you know, the nth degree. And I knew that if I started talking about it a lot, those people would come to me for advice. So I didn't talk about it for a really long time. Um, and the first part of that was I didn't talk about it a really long time with the people in my life. It just was a very shame feel filled thing. I felt really horrible for putting my family through that. I felt horrible for the friendships that deteriorated because of that. I just felt so much guilt around it that it was something that I was like, okay, I'm, I'm through this ish. I'm not going to talk about it. We like talk about it very cryptically. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I started to become friends with, I started to put myself in positions where I would make relationships and become friends with people who just naturally fit into my path and my journey and my way of being for a lot of time, a lot of, a lot of time I used to seek out friendships and seek out deep friendships. And, you know, that's like, that's, that's, that's the thing that people say, like what you resist persists. If you, if you resist just sort of letting things flow, if you resist becoming, becoming close with people who are possibly toxic or possibly in those loops of self-talk or addiction or disorders, if you resist that, that's going to be what your fallback is. Mm -hmm. And so I, I made a decision, I think when I was, uh, it, it, it also had to do with coming out of a breakup. I was in a great relationship with a, a wonderful, wonderful man who were still, he's still one of my dearest friends. He like, he sang at, at our wedding. Like he's amazing, but we weren't supposed to be together romantically. Mm -hmm. Um, but that was such a liberating relationship for me because he appreciated me just as I was and my quirks and my, my, my immense enthusiasm and my curiosity and my tendency to go like really, really deep in conversations right away. He appreciated all of that. And so that was sort of like my training ground. And then when that relationship ended, it was sort of like, okay, Katie, well, you've gotten a taste of this like living in this existence. And I had become friends with people who also supported that in, in the meantime, because we had the same group of friends. Um, and it was like, all right, so are you going to keep going with what you're doing? Or are you going to say that you became everything you are and got everything that you got 
because of this relationship and because of him. And I was like, no, I think that, I think that it's me. <laughs> like, I, I think that this is, this is, I think this has to do with me and not with him. Yeah. So I started to, I started to, um, I started to stop forcing relationships so much. And I leaned into when it was painful, if I wasn't invited to something or painful, if I started to like become like friend infatuated, you know, when you have like that friend tuition and you see someone you're like, we're supposed to be friends (laughs) and you're really excited about it. And that person like really likes you, but you feel like it's a little more Mm one-sided. I would get so thrown off by that in the past. And I started to explore that more when I'm like, okay, well, this just means that I love really hard. This just means that I am a, a little like extra empathetic and I can like feel things about other people that they necessarily can't feel about me, like let alone maybe even themselves. So starting to practice that relationship building, I say that self-talk is is like a language that we need to teach ourselves. And just like becoming fluent in French or Spanish, you can't become fluent when you're just practicing in your head. You can't become fluent when you're just writing things down on paper. You have to practice out in the world. Mm-hmm. So I practiced being this loving, empathetic, enthusiastic, deep talking person and mourning the friendships that fell away, but also getting really excited about the people that, that stuck. And so when that started to happen, I, you know, over a few years, this isn't like an overnight thing. This Mm -hmm. is like years of, of work and practice. And it's also in my twenties, which every single year of your twenties, feels like it's like a decade's worth of learning. So basically this is like millennia's worth of work. (laughs) Um, But I started to become comfortable enough with friends where I would, I would sort of admit to them that, uh, that like I used to have an eating disorder or I remember there was a point in, I, I, I had pretty much recovered from orthorexia and I was, still working through this, like loving myself as I am and letting, honestly, letting myself be as I am whenever I wanted to be that person. Um, there was a point in time where I started to abuse laxatives and it was a short lived amount of time, but I realized that I I did it for a while in secrecy. And then I finally told a friend about it and they were like, well, that's really bad. You should stop doing that. (laughs) And I was like, oh, yeah, like I should. Like they didn't they, – they weren't aghast by it. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't add to my shame. And that was like, oh, okay, cool. Because I think that that was – that tiny bit of relapse was a point in time where I was starting to feel uncomfortable with putting myself out there. And so I needed something physical to – a, make me feel that that feeling of emptiness um, because at that point it wasn't really like about smallness anymore. It was about feeling empty and light and um, 
I felt like my emotions were so heavy. I just wanted to like get the heaviness out of me. Um, but when I started to realize that and when I realized that telling people like that alone lifted a bit of weight for me, I was like, oh, I don't need this. And P.S. This is really fucking my body up. Like mm-hmm. this is and and it did. And I and I, I spent years and years and finally at 32, like I am finally at a place where like my internal systems are working like clockwork again and are mm-hmm. super healthy. Um, but the first step is talking to other people about it and other people who you're close to. And I'm not saying like making every single conversation like, hi, what's your name? Oh, hi, I'm Katie. I had an eating <laughs> disorder. Like, A, that's kind of awkward. Um, and, and B, it's, again, it's, it's, it's the personal versus intimate. At that point in time, that was a very intimate detail of my life that I only felt my, my closest people were privy to that information. And I only felt like I could safely discuss it and feel comfortable discussing it in that group. And at that point, I had become friends with people who were proactive and who didn't victimize themselves and who weren't going to keep me in these loops of like, oh man, I'm like, that's so that's so hard and then asking me questions and basically just sort of like making that part of my identity. Mm-hmm. So talking to people and then I I wrote about it. I decided that when I would write about it publicly would be for a very specific instance. I was working, I believe, at the Chalkboard Mag at the time, which is an online wellness magazine. And it was National Eating Disorders Week. And I was like, we need to do something about this because this is a wellness lifestyle publication. And I mean, I'm not going to throw out a percentage because I feel like that's irresponsible, but I would bet good money on a large percentage of the of wellness influencers slash wellness curious people having or have had an eating disorder at some point in time. So I wanted to do it in a really responsible way. Um, and I, and I felt like, you know, I am, I am, uh, the associate editor of this publication and like, we should be having this conversation. Mm -hmm. So the editor in chief at the time, she was like, like, yes, of course we should totally do it. And I said, well, what if I pitched, um, I think I think that I pitched like a three-part series and the first part was writing a letter to my body. And then I wrote something else and then I wrote something that had to do with like it was all like a list of resources and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I made sure that it wasn't a confessional because I knew if it was a confessional, I would have people coming to me for commiseration, constantly fighting against the life that we're living right now that we're dissatisfied with. And that goes for anything. That goes for any style of life that you're dissatisfied with. If the strategy is to constantly fight against it, you're going to stay exactly where you are. You've got to be fighting for something. And it can be something super specific or it can just be a vague feeling. So talking about 
my eating disorder, which is a form of addiction, in a thematic way was a great launching point to speak about it publicly. And then when I started Want, I had had those conversations in my back pocket and I knew that I didn't want Want to be the the eating disorder site. I knew that self-talk uh, self-talk issues led to eating disorders, but not always. And not all eating disorder people had such loud self-talk tendencies that they actually realized it was going on. So I wanted to speak to everybody. But I also knew that it had to be a part of my story in order to express specific lessons that had been learned. Mm -hmm. So as a really... This has been a really long answer to your short question, but basically I always, I'm always sure, I always try at least to be sure to talk about my years of being in an eating disorder um, or various traumas that I've been through as we've all been through as supporting examples to a greater thesis instead of the actual thesis itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love that it's just a piece of your history and not your full history. Um, and I think that goes for a lot of people. I think sometimes um, we get kind of put in a box as far as, you know, stories that we've shared and, you know, things that we've gone through. And it's very important, like you said, to be able to get out of that box and kind of be free of that, you know, little bucket that you're put in um and I also love that you talked about relationships because I think one of the biggest things that people don't tell you when you're growing up and you get to your 20s and your 30s is that you're not going to be friends with everybody that you were friends with growing up I think that's huge and Mm -hmm. I think you know everybody changes so much and it's okay if you know you're not you're not talking very often to your elementary school best friend like that's okay you're both you know like you can catch up and say hi every now and then but you know you're gonna find as you said people that more align with who you've become as an adult and especially after the growing period of your 20s you know you can be a completely different person and that's fine um and so finding that tribe for a lack of, of of a better word is so important Um, so I wanted to ask you, um, about your relationship with your husband, because I think, (laughs) (laughs) I think it's an important one and, um, we're both married and we love to talk about our relationships as well. And kind of, how do you, um, how do you keep that relationship alive with everything else that you're doing? And how do you talk to your husband about kind of the traumas that you've been through? Um, and how do you share that with him? Mm, Those are fantastic questions. Um, So my my husband, his name is Jeremy. Um, My husband is I I have some cards like stacked in my favor. He's a brand strategist. So he talks about identity all day every day Mm. um so that's so I, I will say I just like totally lucked out in that department um but also on the other end, like he's 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 brilliant at what he does, um, which means that in the last couple of years, especially, he has been um, he's been traveling more than we're used to. And it's great, like 
we always say like even when it gets frustrating like like we're living the dream like we're in New York we're doing what we want to do um but it it gets hard and i think that um now more than ever keeping our communication strong and keeping each other in in check has been um it's been more important now than ever. And I will say that it's also really important to accept your, accept your partner's strong points and accept where they are sort of going to lead the way and where you're going to lead the way. Like when we first got together, sometimes I, I wanted him to be more ready for certain conversations than I was. But I also knew that the amount of um, professional and business maturity that he had at that point in our relationship was comparable to my level of mental and really like emotional maturity. So I think that people get into, into ruts when they are asking their partner to do the thing that's unnatural for them and to just like make it natural. You're like, well, why aren't you feeling this way? Like, why don't you do this? Like we've had a lot of hard conversations, but the reason we've been able to have them is because he is such an open person. Um, he probably would, would say otherwise, um, but he doesn't shut down emotionally. Um, I think that it, it comes, it's emotional, but it, it comes across and it, it reads as intellectual, which I appreciate because sometimes I can just be like this flailing emotional <laughs> thing. Um, so we balance each other out really well in that way. Um, but gosh, I have a lot of women in my life, both related to me and just people who have modeled relationships for me in the past where I've seen the women get so, so angry at so many things and, and like snap at their partner so much. And I've seen, I usually see it, you know, man to woman, but it definitely happens the other way around where men are Mm -hmm. shutting down women. But in my personal experience, as far as like looking to other people to like how I want my relationship to go, um, I've seen, I like to encourage against just looking for like what not to do, sort of like those magazine articles of like what not to wear, like like who wore it worst. And you're like, I'm not going to wear that coat with those shoes. I, I try to discourage against that. However, I feel like I've seen a lot of strained relationships, both with romantic and friendships, and I use those as information of how I want to approach the tough subjects and the tough times. So when I feel a frustration or an anger bubbling up in me, I check myself and I ask myself, how can I get curious instead of getting combative? And Mm. how can I, how can I have a 
collaborative conversation about this instead of I always I joke that we we don't have fights. We have heated discussions because I want it to be a two way street. And when it comes to stuff that I have gone through or I go through that's more sensitive that maybe he hasn't experienced. There was definitely a conversation early on where I was like, I don't need you to, I don't need you to agree with me. And I don't even need you to really empathize with me right off the bat. I just, I just need you to be with me and I need you to be curious about things. And I will be, uh, there was an episode of Modern Family. Do you watch Modern Family ever? Mm-hmm. So there was an episode a few years ago where Phil is in a nail salon and he's with a bunch of women. And I guess uh, um, he gets off the phone. He gets off the phone with his wife and he's getting advice from all of the women who are in the nail salon. And at the end of the episode, he's like, so wait a second. She doesn't want me to fix things. She just wants me to listen. And they're like, yes. And and I've been really clear on like, hey, I just need you to listen to this. Or when I'm sharing something that went on, because I do remember him saying once to me, um, you know, it's really hard for me to hear about when you used to have an eating disorder. Um, and it's really hard for me to hear about your relationship with your body and um, and feeling feeling so valued for your looks that you didn't feel value anywhere else. And he said, I feel that because when I hear it, it sounds like victimization. And so that was a whole conversation where I was like, okay, well, A – here are the parts that I need you to hear so you can understand where I'm coming from. And B, you're really smart. And part of that is actually right. Because again, this was really early on. I was like, it's a new relationship. And I might subconsciously be looking for pity from you. Mm. Um, which is something that I think that we do a lot without even realizing it because, and it's really, it's no fault of ours. Like it makes us feel loved. It makes us feel cared for. Um, but with him, he saw me as this whole, this whole being and this whole person. And when I harped on it, he actually would catch me and be like, no, 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 that's actually not your full story. Um, but I did lay down the law early on also that I was like, yeah, it's not the full story, but it is part of my story. So I'm going to talk, I am going to make a promise to you that I'm going to talk to you when it actually, when it, it, like I said, supports a greater thesis. Plus, there might also be times where I'm struggling with certain things and I need to have your moral support as I work through that. And I promise that I will never compromise um or take advantage of our relationship and exploit our relationship to like get all of that out and push that on you. And because I'm making that promise, I also kind of need you to be there for me when and if really when I have these hard things to talk about. I love that. that. 
Um, I think surprisingly, one thing that we've talked with a lot of our guests about is the distinction between listening and just kind of being there versus problem solving with Mm -hmm. our partners. And I think, I think it's just something that I don't know if it's just like the sampling of relationships we've seen or if that's kind of not to generalize, but you know, like the different male female approaches, but it's been really interesting to hear about how everyone approaches that differently. Yeah. And I will say I am a huge problem solver. Like I Mm. do have that more masculine, I guess, tendency of being like, okay, let's dial this down and let's find a, let's find a solution. And if not a solution, like let's find some steps to get you to places. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's actually been the opposite where he's like, I just like, I don't, I've asked him, I'm like, do you need me to listen right now? Do you want my advice? Mm -hmm. And he's like, nah, listen. (laughs) Um, And that has also bred trust because I am naturally more emotionally, I guess, verbose. Um, Him knowing that I'm not going to come in and make everything like this big project has made him more comfortable sharing things. And when I explained to him that like, look, you sharing parts of yourself and parts of your day or whatever frustrated you, I'm not just asking to ask. I'm asking so that I know where I'm meeting you at the end of the day or the middle of the day Mm. or the beginning of the day or whatever, Um, where I'm meeting you, what headspace you're in, what you've gone through so I can understand that. So I'm definitely a problem solver. And I think that being an active listener and asking questions is really undervalued in relationships, I think. Mm. So true. I love that. I feel like we could stay on this topic forever, but I do just want to transition. So I know, I think it must have been an Instagram post of yours that I read, but I know that you recently turned 32, which is your like spirit animal of birthdays is the (laughs) impression that I'm getting. It's my my BuzzFeed quiz, like like forever age. (laughs) Yes. So I would just love to hear kind of, in closing here, what you're looking forward to this year, what's coming up for you, and just how our listeners can support you and follow along. Oh, that's such a that's such a generous question. That's such a generous question beyond just like, what are you up to? Um, thank you for that. That's that's very kind. Um, I am super pumped for this year because I feel like I give just the right amount of craps at this point in my life, like, <laughs> like, I, I, like, I, I don't think that phrase, like, no fucks given, like, no, you should give some fucks. Right. Like, <laughs> I care about the things that I should care about. Um, and I'm making the decisions that support a greater mission and a greater legacy than simply just what I'm doing in the moment. So, the big thing that I'm fired up about right now, and I'm just going to speak it out loud, mm-hmm. is um, is finding an agent for my book proposal and selling the book. Oh, my um, gosh. Amazing. Yeah! <laughs> That's one of those things that I'm like, okay, I need to do that step of, like, starting to talk about it. Yes. Like, this. I've been here. Um, but I, I haven't – I've talked to a couple agents, and they've been wonderful. They just, like – you know, 
I don't think that necessarily it was it was a bad fit, but mm-hmm. they just, you know, certain people are your people. And you can't get hung up in trying to make people who aren't your people your people. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to find my person. Um, <laughs> and the reason why I am so fired up right at this very second is because I – Yes, I've always wanted to write a book. Yes, I've been writing books with writing, drawing pictures and dictating the words to my mom since I was like (laughs) two years old. But for me right now, um, at this point in time, especially in our country, I am so adamant that we can't, that the way to change the world is to change your world. And Mm -hmm. we can't change the world if we can't, if we don't change how we're speaking to ourselves. So I want this book out by 2020. I want it out by before November 2020. Mm-hmm. Like I, 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 what I have right now is more than just your run of the mill self-talk or self-help book. Um, I want this to be a revolution, a rallying cry. Um, this is something that I'm the most excited about. And I, I was going to say I feel like, but I I know it's going to happen in this year. So that's a really big thing. That's an exciting thing. Yes. Um, And then I just signed on to teach classes. Like I said earlier, for like a blip in time, I teach fitness classes. And I just signed on with Aptive, which is a super cool app. It's actually the number one audio fitness app where it has – all different kinds of fitness classes and they actually have deals with huge record labels so we can use actual music instead of just like the oh so cool (laughs) Uh, yeah so I'm teaching spin classes I'm teaching um basically all the cardio classes elliptical treadmill running treadmill walking outdoor running outdoor walking um, and what's really cool about that is that it is sort of like recording a like a fitness podcast. Totally. And through that, because you're getting people who are actively listening, um, I'm really excited to be able, because I've, I've taught in-person classes for 11 years now, but I'm really excited to really activate that chip in people's brain that they're able to access when they get vulnerable, when they're doing usually high-intensity exercise. And they mm-hmm. are receptive to a brand of proactive, positive coaching, like, like what I do. Um, so I'm really, really excited for that partnership and that it's not just like, you know, I love, love, love teaching classes and I always have, and I always will, but to be able to teach in a way that is so streamlined with what I'm doing right now, and especially what I've been doing over the last three, almost four years with want. Mm -hmm. Um, it's really, really exciting. And I'm looking forward to in this next year, activating the want community and just the community in general in ways that, um, that we haven't yet and really exciting ways and ways that we can connect with each other, find those relationships that feel like, you know, what you were talking about, those relationships that we, have that we want to have as adults, the conversations that we want to be having on a daily basis, um, fighting for things together instead of fighting against things together, but sort of vaguely together through social media. I think that's the thing that I'm most excited about this year. 
Very cool. Well, we are so excited for you and we're so happy to know you and and you kind know. of be a part of the want community. Um, we absolutely so, love you yeah, and we're you. so we're so grateful that you were able to come on with us tonight. Um, so, yeah. So just thank you um, for our listeners. As always, you can find us at detoxandchillpodcast.com and on Instagram um, and on iTunes. You can leave us a five star review. That would be wonderful. Um, Do it. It helps. Yeah, it, it helps so much. So leave a five star review for our podcast and the want podcast. Um, and we love you so much. And we hope you have a great week.